Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Life Unexpected Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Sullivan, and today I want to talk about mourning and probably throw in a little bit about expectations in there as well. There are so many things that come along when you're a mom and so many expectations and so many things that you have a preconceived idea of when you first learn that you're going to become a mom. It doesn't matter what number of child that is for you. It could be number one, number two, number three. Those thoughts and expectations are already there. I would say even probably before you become pregnant or become a mom when your glass house gets shattered (laughs) it's really hard to build a foundation back up brick by brick not expectations but of acceptance and that's why we've changed that from glass to brick because acceptance with the brick is a much stronger foundation than just rebuilding up that house with glass with expectations and then have it shattered again and again and again. So when we had Reese, of course, everything was, I don't say perfect. He was healthy. He had, you know, his 10 fingers, his 10 toes, his everything was good with him. He was a fantastic baby. He learned to walk on time, learned to talk on time, all the things, all the milestones he either hit on time or early. Like he just, he was a pretty amazing kid. He is still a pretty amazing kid, but y'all know, you get what I'm saying. He was, he was a pretty amazing baby. Here is what happened with Andrew in my, in, in my head and in my world. Everything that I talk about on this podcast is something that I've thought or felt and gone through and worked through. Well, some things I may not have even worked through 100%. Okay, so so I just wanted to throw that out there. Not everybody is the same. Not everybody's story is the same. And so not every method of working through shit is going to be the same. When Andrew was born, um, we were ecstatic. I mean, pretty normal. Nothing like stood out that he had any issues to begin with. He had his 10 fingers and his 10 toes. He cried pretty normal. The only thing different with Andrew when he was actually born than with Reese was that we had to suction out his throat because he would get some saliva for whatever reason stuck in the back of his throat. And so we would have to suction that out every little bit. But then he like was fine. Like we only did that for, I don't know, maybe the first 24 hours he was born and then he was fine. Um, we take him home. We're this, you know, happy family of four. I was able to take eight weeks off of work instead of just the six with that I did with Reese. It was this glorious, amazing time that I got to spend with both of my children, both of my babies, and I really cherished it. It was just one of the most amazing two months of my life. Um, Reese, of course, was super jealous of Andrew and asked several times if we could take him back to the baby store. It was flipping hilarious. But when Andrew was diagnosed and he started having issues, he started 
physical therapy and occupational therapy. And then a little bit down the road, he started speech therapy in which I was honestly, he was talking well. I was surprised that he had qualified for speech therapy. But now, several years later, I'm not shocked. Like, just because anyway, I was surprised then. Uh, I'm not surprised now. But you know, when you're a mom, you can understand what your children are saying way better than other people can. So it's probably a little bit of that too. And then his seizures started and all this stuff started at first in your mom brain or in my mom brain. It's like, okay, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. We're going to fix it. We're going to do this and fix it. We're going to do that and fix it. We're going to, you know, that's the expectation that you have. As a mom, you want to fix whatever problem your baby has and move on. You want to take their pain away. You don't want them to suffer. You don't want them to have all this shit that they have to, they have to go through and work through and do extra of just to have better quality of life. That was my expectation. That was the expectation of people on my side of the family when I would talk to them about what was going on with Andrew. Like, oh, we'll get him in physical therapy. We'll get him all the help he needs and then he'll be fine. Blah, 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 blah. Quickly realize that is not the case. And my glass house shattered. I've had more than one glass house shatter on me. And I might still have more. It just depends on what comes up. We have all these expectations of what our kids are going to be. And then we have all these expectations when they're not, when something goes wrong, that the that us as a parent can fix whatever it is that's wrong. Okay, when those expectations are shattered, you have to mourn. Because what happens in your mind, in your brain, everywhere in your body... And you feel and you know that your child is just not going to be that person. And your child is just not going to be who you thought that child was. I tell people a lot that I really, really, really had to mourn the child that I thought that I had and accept the child that I did have. And with each and every diagnosis, I've had to do that because I had to live so day by day to make it through for many, many years, I had to live like this day by day, just to make it through that I couldn't look to the future and say, what other diagnosis can he have? Maybe I need to lower my expectations on those. And when you're put in a situation or will you have so much trauma in such a short amount of time, I have found that there's two things that your brain does to protect you. Number one, it affects your memory. Okay, I, there are things about what had happened with Andrew that I can't remember correctly. And I think I've said this before on a previous podcast when we were talking about his seizures. But there are things about his situation and things about different hospital visits and different doctor's appointments that I just can't remember. There are times that we would go through something and I don't remember specifically what happened. 
Reese would tell me something or Rusty would tell me something about what had happened in a situation. I'll be like, I do not remember that at all. And the second thing is it distances you emotionally from the people that you love the most. It's really hard to build that back up. And that may not happen to everybody, but it definitely happened to me. Definitely happened to my husband. Not only do I need to mourn the loss of the kid that I thought I had, except the one I do have, and then work through my memory problems and work through my emotional problems that this is causing. What had happened as I was going through all of this, when my glass house shattered of, oh crap, this is like forever. This is not something I can fix. This is not something I can take away from him. This is not something that is going away. This is here forever. This is going to affect his life in one way or another for the rest of his life. Holy shit. What do I do? How do I prepare? How do I live like this? How do I help him live like this? All these questions come up. All these things that you think are a given are no longer a given. At the time, I was thinking, is he going to be able to walk? What, what accommodations that do we need to make to our home for him to be safe? What is going to happen when he's older and me and Rusty are gone? That's a huge fear of mine. Like, I'm not scared as long as me and Rusty are around. I know I can take care of him now. I didn't know that back then when he was first diagnosed and we were, and we were, you know, researching and finding out what this is going to mean for his everyday life. I think there's a ton, a ton and ton and ton of pressure on moms to have that all figured out for your kid from not the special needs community, but from the people outside of the special needs community. That's probably one of the most top questions I have is, how is this going to affect him when he's an adult? And the, and, and the answer is we have no idea. Because with CP, it's a different for everyone. It affects the body differently as they grow older. Luckily, right now, he's able to walk. I think at some point he may need to have a cane or a walker or a wheelchair. Because his hips and his legs hurt really quickly after he stands up or walks for a short amount of time. That's what I think. Will that happen? I have no idea. And when he got diagnosed with, um, this is probably the biggest one for me. And I know I talked about it already um, in the in the other podcast, but when he got diagnosed with intellectual disability, that was like, that was like my, that was like my glass castle that got busted. You have all of these accommodations for physical disabilities, but now that he's got, you know, intellectual disability, money is one thing that just does not make sense to him. And we've been working on it and working on it and working on it. And I hope at some point we find a way for it to make sense to him. We haven't yet. But again, like I said, I hope that we do. Um, Time is the other thing that just doesn't make sense to him. And and I'm going to be honest, like... 
before I had Andrew, I had no idea that world existed. The special needs world was like this whole new undiscovered planet out in our solar system. I had no idea about. It's not something we discussed growing up, but the, the closest thing that I came to anything that has to do with special needs for a kid was I had a deaf friend in sixth grade, in grade school. No, I think it was before sixth grade. I think it was like fourth or I don't remember. And I learned how to sign with her and I learned how to um, communicate with her. But that was it. That was the only really exposure to anybody that would be quote unquote different. Or like the word differently abled than your neurotyp or typical kids. Yeah, it was one of those... Um, really tough, really, really tough things that I had to work through. And I still have to work through, I think, at times because there will be situations that happen and it just like his intellectual disability will just stick out like a sore thumb. It's like, oh my gosh. And it really bothers me. And you might think I'm a horrible mother for saying that, but you know what? I don't care. There are some days that his disabilities bother me. I don't love him less. When I say that they bother me, I mean they bother me emotionally. They bother me like I don't want him to go through that. They bother me like why does he have to do that? They bother me like I just don't understand. They bother me like I can't accept this still. It's not him that bothers me. He's a fantastic human being, and I love him with all that I am. And I'm not going to apologize for that anymore because there are days I still have to work through those. There are days that I'm still building my foundational brick house, big brick by brick. There are days when I have to replace a brick because it fell out. Do I have any more glass houses out there? I sure as hell hope not but I don't know. And if they shatter, if I do have those and they shatter, I hope I can turn those pieces of shards of glass into bricks and just build on to the brick house I've already started. 